0: Hello everybody and welcome back to the Tunari's podcast. I am your host James, I'm joined by my good friend Timmy Long. Hi everyone. Timmy's looking strong, isn't he
1: lads? <laughs> <laughs> I don't know about that. I'm well, after Covid. I don't know do you I know what the, the Covid, the
0: COVID diet is after doing the world the good he yeah. can't taste nothing. So still I, can't taste. Yes. You still can't taste. I'm
1: three so, weeks after Jesus. it and I still can't taste Yeah, it.
2: I know someone who's, I think they're like two and a half weeks now and they're saying that they still can't mm. smell or taste either. Mm. Both of them. Yeah. Taste and
1: smell. It's great (laughs) because everything tastes the same.
2: You can just eat anything now. So, but I
1: don't want to see because if I start tasting chocolate again, I'm
2: that's it. It's over the drain. Not
1: good. Let's just say I was going to say if. but we want just yeah. in case because so I know you have a lot of young people listening. There. <laughs> they will probably listen. We might do a yeah, video a on uh, Timmy's uh,
0: COVID plan, nu- COVID nutrition plan. Maybe one day we could start selling. You know those ads that come up on uh, YouTube
2: before <laughs> you watch videos. Let me like <laughs> sell you this diet plan. We can sell like the COVID nutrition. Here's the <laughs> COVID. Yeah. yeah.
1: Get. Co- oh, to <laughs> that? No. But, um, uh, yeah, a lot of people. I, I think I must have lost the stone. Yeah. Yeah. yeah.
2: And it's mad. Like a lot of, it's now at the stage where like
1: I'm seeing like.
2: It's kind of creeping into, like, my inner circle. Do you know what I mean? Like, people know, around you are starting to get... Yeah, it, like right. yeah. it's, it's
1: gone from hearing of somebody having it. To knowing somebody who has people, it. Everybody, yeah. and, and, and it's creeping its way into your own family yeah. home and uh, whatever so, wherever you live. Um,
0: we let the RT news deal with the COVID, yeah. and we <laughs> deal with the rest of it. So, Roman is on the deck. Say hi, Ron. Hi, Anna's in the audience. Say hi, Anna. Hi, lad. Shotgun Media. Yeah. That's Anna's, the videographer and a friend of ours. Yeah. And, um... Our guest today, Sean Downey. That's a Sean, you were on Davey's Toughest Team. You're the third participant of Davey's Toughest Team, which was a TV programme on RT. Mm-hmm. Um, it was about bringing young people who has come through adversity on a journey, which was meant to be the base camp in Everest, but because of lockdown, it was Cantul. Sadly, it didn't All. happen, yeah. Yeah, it went to Cantul, but it looked amazing. We've had uh, and Amani and... Um,
1: uh, Connor Harrison. Connor Harrison.
0: Harris yeah. So you're very welcome on. Thank you so very much. You were on Davy's toughest team and you did really well on it. You Thank come you. across really well. Thank and you, you did Cock Proud. Thank you. Um how did you end up getting on it? Do you know what? We go way back. Okay. Who is Sean Downey and where is he from?
2: So I'm from the Glen, I'm born uh, 6th of May 1999, so I'm 22 years of age. I grew up in a, in a house in the Glen in an estate called Mangerton Close. Oh, yeah. And um, that's where my dad lives. And I would have grew up there with my mum, and my dad um, from the age of like zero to seven. I think we may have moved away once and then moved back. When I was seven years of age, I went into foster care for the first time in my life. Mm. Uh, me and my brother went in. There was just problems happening at home. I think I I was in foster care for what was probably a month and a half. So I'd spent two weeks in one family, two weeks in another family, two weeks in another family. I think this is actually the first time in any interviews that I've talked about being in foster care when I was younger, so people only know I went in at ten. But I had that little stint when I was younger and it was just it was kind of my my behaviour was very out of control when I was a kid just due to things happening at home. So foster families didn't usually work out like a foster family would have me and my brother and then would say like, oh, we, we can't really deal with him. So kind of bounced around for a bit. And we always kept with your brother. I was always kept with my brother. I would have went crazy if I wasn't. And my brother was like a year and a half younger than me. So I just kind of felt like I had to protect him. Mm-hmm. Um and then after like a month and a half my mom had uh, managed to get a house so at that time we didn't have a house to go to my mom had split from my dad so we returned home and then I was at home from eight to the age of 10 it wasn't eight it was like seven and a half up to the age of 10 Hmm. and then I guess I just had a lot of like issues that came from my family setting at the time um my dad's like a recovered alcoholic and some of my brothers, some of my older brothers were, are, are recovered addicts. So yeah. obviously I just had some traumas from the situations that happened growing yeah. up. And I guess I was just, I became a little bit too much for my my mom to be able to handle as a single mother. She had my brother who at the time would have been eight and my two sisters who at the time would have been like one was just turning 18 and the other was was 20 but Mm -hmm. everyone lived in this house in the glen uh in a a new estate that my mom had gotten a house in so i went into foster care and i was in residential care from the age of 10 to 12 now for residential care for people that don't know regular foster care is you live with a family that isn't your own residential care is you live with staff
0: so in a facility,
2: in a facility, yeah, it's you can't even really call it a home. So mm-hmm. from eight in the morning to three in the day, there was three staff. Then from three in the day to eight at night, there was three new staff. Mm. Then one of those staff would sleep there overnight and another person would come in and stay up all night checking in on you. And I had to live in that from ten to twelve. What, which what was, was it like?
0: I know of people that worked in these facilities, but it, I wonder what it's like from the child's perspective.
2: Just like it was like one of the most like Obviously at the time I didn't realize it, but it really, it was it was a very traumatizing place to live in because I was, I was living in a place where you'd have 17, 16 year olds coming in on emergency situations. Like I come home from school having my dinner and then all of a sudden this kid gets rushed in and this kid gets rushed in from a situation that mightn't have been so good. So they're very angry. Mm. And then... I end up getting hurt in the process. I had things in my room smashed quite regularly. Like it was just, mm. it was a bit all over the place. To to a stage where my behavior actually got worse, living inside
0: that environment.
2: Like
0: I wonder is because the lack of uncertainty and the lack of yeah. Safety. Like I was
2: I was ten. Like I I thought I was going to the doctor. I thought I had a doctor appointment, and then I was moving from Cork to Tralee. Do you know? Within mm. like the space of like like three hours. Do you
0: know security like
2: no so. I just ended up in this panicked state and my behavior just progressively got worse. What kind
0: of behavior? It was
2: just like attacking staff members and breaking things. I once stole the keys to the car and tried to drive it through the window of the house.
1: Like, well, About school then so as well, school.
2: Difficult. Yeah, I was just, I. so I got expelled in primary school and got expelled from St. Marks, the boys school in the Glen in like third class. They were like, no, nah, we, we, we can't have them anymore. Sorry. Mm-hmm. I didn't actually do third class. I stayed at home all year in third class. And then I went into fourth class. At that time, they thought maybe I had a learning disability. So I was got an IQ test to see if i go, if, if, if COPE was the avenue for me. Mm. And like, I don't know if it's true, but my mom always says that like the doctor was so shocked. She was like, why, why is he getting tested for this? This is not, people just don't understand him. Like he's not meant to be here. Cause I'm, I'm quite an intelligent kid. I was mm-hmm. into computers from a, a really young age. I mm-hmm. made my first website at the age of 10. started making videos when I was like 11 years of age, uploading them onto YouTube. I uploaded a video when I was like 11 that got like three and a half thousand views within like 48 hours. So like I knew what I was doing. So, but, but my behavior was just kind of out of control to a stage where an an incident happened in the residential that I I won't go into, but it was quite bad. And I ended up getting a caution that was really like, okay, we're not messing around anymore. Like you need to cop on. And I got sent to a Gareda youth diversion program. Well, and uh, in Tralee, in a place called Rahnan. Um, and as part of this Garda Youth Diversion program, I had to go to a music course, like a music workshop. And I didn't want to go. I was like, why would I go to music workshops? But I met a guy called Gary McCarthy, GMC, GMC, yeah. GMC
0: Beats. Uh, I did one of his workshops there uh, with the youth workers there last year. Yeah, what did you think of it? It was brilliant. Yeah. Two, two days. They're savage. Yeah. But. I guess
2: that was really the first time in my life. So we had our workshops for four weeks. And at the the last workshop, when it was all wrapped up at like 5 p.m., I said to Gary, look, I I wrote these raps. And he stayed there for an extra two hours after the workshop ended and recorded those raps with me. And that was the first time in my life, like, someone had, like, literally gone out of their way. Like, he was just a stranger. Gone out of his way to do something, like, really nice and kind for me. And then, like, I just... I just started to express myself i remember then i asked for a microphone for my birthday in that residential i got one and i got a laptop and i started making my own music i think i made like 40 songs in like the space of like two months <laughs> to a stage where because of that incident that i got sent to the justice project for it they were looking to send me into a a secure residential unit which is we have bears and it's, mm. it's a lot more like monitored but six months later i moved into with a foster family in Middleton. So like I'd I'd kind of taken a 180. Now I was 13, obviously my behavior still wasn't, I wasn't, I still had a lot of issues. I was still getting quite angry, but it was like, it wasn't like looking to fucking hurt people angry. It was just like, oh, I'm angry and I'm 13. I'm going to throw a bit of a tantrum. So from 13 up to 15 then, I just would try and attend any GMC workshop I could and would always be sending Gary my music, being like, here, listen to this. was big into music. I got bullied at like 15 for making music. I uh, put up a status on Facebook and it went viral. I think it got
0: like 2,000 shares within like 24 hours. Because... Um Making music and YouTube videos—it's kind of out of the ordinary. and If you stand out at that, like edge, now so it's apparently. normal. Yeah, like yeah. now
2: everyone does it. But, but I really, then. I, I like no one was doing it, and so I, I put up the status, about being bullied, and like, uh, like I wasn't meant to put it. I, I, I obviously meant to put up a status, but I actually e- It was a message that I'd emailed to my principal as I was sitting in the school at the bath, like in the bathroom in oh. the school, crying. And I emailed him and they brought me out and they came and got me and they were like, look, we're sorry, this is happening. But it, it's the same thing that I'd heard numerous times in school. So as they were talking to me, I posted that message as a status and the school had to come in to me and be like, please remove the status. We Like we can't answer our phones. Like we're getting the tons of phone calls. The guards got involved. People got expelled from the school then that summer. Uh, an organization called EPIC Empowering People in Care yeah. picked me to go to a conference in Switzerland called Cats Children as Actors for Transforming Society and that conference is is an international conference based on children's rights mm. and I didn't really have any fucking interest in children's rights at all I went there and I just kind of saw it as a free holiday for the seven days I was just mm. taking the piss whatever everybody looks at conferences like that and like to a stage where I remember the, the person who organized the conference came up to me and was like can you at least in, uh, pretend like you're interested in what's going on here Like you will never have to come back again. Don't worry. Just pretend like you're interested. Then I went home and I remembered he said that. And it set with me. And I was like, oh, like I was really pissed off because I'm one of these people don't tell me what to do. And I I, kind of felt disrespectful what he said. Mm. And so that was at the back of my mind. And I started making YouTube videos. I decided I didn't want to do music anymore because I'd been bullied from it. And I guess I just had a lot of anxieties around it. So I started making YouTube videos. I made a couple and they got like, 30, 40 views. And then I, I made one talking about being in foster care and the journal.ie did an article on it. And like overnight, the article had half a million views. Fuck. It went crazy. My foster parents were like, how are people getting our number? Why are they ringing us? <laughs> Ireland AM, the Ryan Tuberty show, everyone ringing um, and being like, can we interview this kid? So I, I was a kid. What age, what age? No, I just, was 16. And I was like, Yeah, cool, interview me. That's that's grand. I'm still in school
1: at that time, Sean.
2: Still in school. I'm in fourth year now at yeah. this stage. And um and so yeah, cool, interview me. Tusla said no. Section thirty one of the Childcare Act, um, part C, I think it's part C, I might I might be wrong, states that kids in care cannot be identified in the media.
1: Were they your your guardian, as, as Tusla say, was my guardian. Yeah. And like, so he th- wasn't one of your parents. No,
2: it would have okay. been Tusla and my foster parents. But this law says kids in care can't be identified in the media. They tried to tell me that I was identifying myself and YouTube was the media. So the journal.ie took down the article because Tesla wrote them a big angry letter. But they also contacted YouTube and YouTube said, well, this doesn't go against anything in our terms of service. So, like, we're not taking down the video. Mm. So Tusla then brought me to court. And I went to court every Wednesday for two months with a solicitor called Eamon Carroll. Shout out to Eamon Carroll. He's a solicitor on on North Main Street, Uh, legend. We were like trying to figure out how I can keep this video up. And um, I wasn't going anywhere. And then I remember like one of the last uh, court cases on a Wednesday, I think it was. It had to have been in April because there was a lot of talk about the 1916 reason and then the proclamation. Yeah. And on, I, I remember, like the day before, I went into court. I actually read the proclamation in school because we were talking about it. And there's a line that says, "We will cherish all children of the nation equally, oblivious to differences fostered by an alien government." So I went into court and I read that out, and I said, "You are treating me differently." Any other kid in this country can make a video telling people where they live and why they live there, what their parents are like, mm. what the people that look after them on a daily basis are it's like, true. and they couldn't, they couldn't say anything. They were like, oh, yeah, okay, we kind of are taking away your freedom of speech here. Mm. So then I walked out of that court with two and a half grand and I bought myself a MacBook. I made them give me two and a half grand from the court poor box, bought myself a MacBook and a <laughs> new camera and I started <laughs> making YouTube videos like there was no tomorrow. <laughs> That conference in Switzerland invited me back the next year to run the conference. Oh, for the next three years, I to would go to Switzerland. It, to yeah. No, not to commentate it, but to actually have a, a say in what happens and the yeah, workshops. Yeah. Yeah. So for the next three years, I've got to Switzerland once a year for 10 days and stay in this palace in a place called mm. Montreux, which is such a beautiful place. Mm. Mm. I met the Queen of Belgium. I met the president of Malta the president of Malta sent a letter to my, my foster parents door, like inviting me to go there and, and kind of MC at a conference with Nora Fitzgibbon. Rest in peace. She, she worked for Tusla at the time. We were both there speaking Um, I guess I was speaking on why kids should use their voice for change and why we should listen to them. And so I did that for a while, up until the age of 18. And then I guess when I turned 18, I started getting into drinking. I was in a relationship at the time and we started drinking, going out with with people, friends, you know, the way people just start to drink. Mm -hmm. And then I just like very quickly didn't realize that I was drinking quite a lot. And I stopped making my videos. I I think like my last video, I I uploaded videos after stuff was team. But the last video before that, you can see there's like a three year gap.
1: And so, what, what, bring it back, what did a drink give you that you didn't have in your normal I, life? I think, to make I, it I guess I just
2: felt a bit disconnected from people. I still do. Yeah. So I always feel disconnected. Yeah. 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 Well, see, it, I'm actually quite extroverted, yeah. but I just don't, like, I I feel like sometimes people don't understand what I'm about. Mm-hmm. Like my energy is a bit too much for people. Mm-hmm. And I just felt this disconnect. Like I didn't know how to engage in conversation. I, like, as I was making those videos, I was also big into coding. I entered a quarter of those coolest projects in 2015 with a heating system that I designed using... Uh, an Arduino Uno and I had programmed it using Python and uh, a thing called Flask, which is like a back end for it. it made this heating system. You could control from anywhere in the world on your mobile phone. I would sat for nights in a place called Cork Internet Exchange in Holly Hill. It's a data center. I did my work experience there. I was the first ever junior software developer. So I was just a kid who spent a lot of time in my room creating things and just like I made an AI that I could have a conversation with, like just because I was sick of talking to other people. I was like, I, I need to make things. And so then I just I guess when I became an adult the staying in my room still happened but it just got replaced with drink instead of creating things and were you living in Middleton still no I the problem is I had gotten my own place at this stage I'd never drank when I lived in Middleton because I had foster parents and they were looking out for me and and they were my support but I guess when I turned it in I was just I became very afraid of being alone I, Mm. I was away from my foster parents away from my parents in my own accommodation now and so I was just a like afraid of being alone and so what I do in the evenings when I was alone is I drink so I didn't have to feel that it was like I would get up go to college finish college and then drink and mm-hmm. unless I was working and that went on for a while and that went on up to up to Davy's toughest team and, yeah. and Davy's toughest team came around and I applied for it talking about my life in foster care and that was my story and, and the fact that I have ADHD and I got picked at the time my drinking had gotten really really bad but i was determined that it wasn't a problem and so i didn't have to say it to these people (laughs) because you know it's not an Mm -hmm. issue Mm -hmm. and we film davy's stuff his team and i think it's quite evident if you see like i just i wasn't looking after myself i was i was unfit i was unhealthy but the problem was i i could kind of manage it like i could i could i was like i wouldn't say i was an alcoholic but if because I I, I I didn't like go through withdrawals when I gave up. So I don't want to call myself an alcoholic. But I think I was someone who just relied on this routine in my life and I didn't want it to come to the forefront. I have tried very hard in Davy's toughest team to hide it. And then when Davy's toughest team finished and I watched the show back, I just felt a bit embarrassed by myself, Mm. just how unfit I was. So I reached out to Davy Fitz's, uh, one of Davy Fitz's personal trainers. His name is Darren Ward. And I went, look, man, I really need to change my life here. And I think I have a tool to kind of help other young people in the same situation. So the week after David's his team started, like the next week, I started getting up at 7.45 every morning and I do a 25-minute workout on Instagram every morning with this guy, Darren Ward, every weekday morning. Mm. And I, I re- reach out to everyone, the news, everyone. I was like, please talk about this. Let's try to get as many young people as possible to be involved in this. And at the end of that that w- month of doing that, I I really enjoyed how good I felt. Mm. But I was... I couldn't get over that. I was still waking up with hangovers, and I still found it hard. I was smoking forty fags a day. At, by the time David Stuffer team mm-hmm. came out, I couldn't really breathe. Like even I've privated those videos because now that I don't smoke, I, I feel embarrassed at how bad my cough was, and yeah. you know, yeah. and how distasty I looked in some mornings just after like a night of drinking. And then after I did all the the month full of um, the month full of. Uh, workouts uh, one night, me and my friends were in my my room at this stage. I'd moved out of that apartment and I was living in the Glen with my brother. And I was, I had a, a full bottle of a violet gin in my hand, and that's what I was drinking that night. And it was like, I was going to get fucked up. Sorry, cursing.
0: No, really? um, it, and then
2: I I I I still don't know what happened, but I just remember like something just clicked in my head. I was just all this time, all these thoughts I had about not wanting to drink. I guess I grew grew up in a house where if there's an issue and it happens, we just kind of act like it didn't happen. Mm. Do you know, like if something bad happened, it didn't happen. Mm. So that's what I was doing every time I had those thoughts about wanting to stop drinking. The next day I'd be like, okay, it didn't happen. Today's a new day. Mm. And then that day I was just like, I can't do it. Like I don't want to be doing this anymore. So I, I looked at my friends and I was like, lads, I think I'm going to stop drinking and they kind of laughed. But then they realized because I was like, lads, no, seriously, I'm I'm going to stop drinking and I fucked my bottle of pink gin out my bedroom window to the backyard and like it smashed. Um, And I was like, lads, I just I don't want to I don't want to drink anymore. And then um, I sent a text to uh, Gary, GMC, who who at this stage I'd been doing some work in the cabin, sent a message to him being like, Gary, I don't want to drink anymore. If if I ever tell you I'm going out, please be like, no. Text my mom, text my dad, text all my friends, being like, look, this is really serious. Mm. I don't want to drink anymore. I wrote it on like sticky notes and stuck it up around my room, being like, you're not going to drink anymore. And I didn't drink anymore after that. But it was very, very difficult. It was uh, like a lot of... I didn't yes, go through withdrawals, yes, yes, yes. but I went through a feeling of being fucking lonely. Yeah. I was just like, I was like, oh, like, what do I do now? Like, yeah. what do so I, was, I'm done. You said you
0: ran there that uh, you didn't think you were alcoholics, you didn't have withdrawals, but there's many types of alcoholic, mm-hmm. like, or not wanting to give anybody a label. Yeah. There's people that drink once a week and they have huge amount of consequences from it. Yeah. I, and there's people that drink every day, but they both have problems yeah. with alcohol yeah I somebody just, like you did have a problem with alcohol yeah, to like fill a void. It, and it created this paranoia
2: in me all the time and this anxiety that i wasn't aware of and i like i only realized it once i stopped drinking mm. like and still to this day like i'm a very anxious person now i wasn't like that before i started drinking it, it's had like it's long-term yeah. effects me because i was drinking every day mm. i was drinking like wine is four euro in Tesco. So you, you know you spend yeah. 20 euro on wine a night and that's you know, that, yeah. like you're plastered. And then mm. I'd still try to go out with my friends after that. I was losing friends due to like me just getting aggressive and stuff when I was drunk. Mm. Just because I really didn't want to be drinking. What about your girlfriend? Oh, that relationship ended. I was just, I think like, I think the problem was relationships I had at the time. I wasn't like, I wasn't a, I, I was still a person that had a lot to work on. You now I'm a your, person that fully yeah. believes you shouldn't get into a relationship until you've gone to therapy and mm-hmm. until you've worked things out. Cause even though the relationship is grand, I was just an anxious person and I, yeah. it would cause like paranoia. And so like, that's just not a good mindset you want to be in. So that relationship ended. Um, and like I've been in relationships since, and they've gone completely different since I've stopped drinking. Cause I'm just not like, mm. I don't have this like, thought that people are talking about me anymore or people mm, don't yeah. want to be around me i'm now just confident in myself i'm like yeah. it doesn't matter if people don't want to be around yeah.
1: fuck,
0: that's fuck a good them. place to be because then the person yeah. walks into your life at the right time yeah. don't they
1: but even w- when you do stop drinking you probably have nothing in common with your old friends anymore if you're not that's
2: drinking, that's, that's, that's what i that's what i was going through kind of really the last couple of months was like like finding, like now I see my friends that I used to hang out with every day and it's kind of like, oh, hi, how are you getting on? Like, Mm -hmm. you know, and that's, Mm -hmm. that's it. That's, that's all it is. Yeah, I really, it was, it was, I guess the reason I drank was a fear of being alone mm. and then stopping drinking made me face that fear. Mm. And then like two weeks ago I went to Rome for three days and it was the first time I'd ever gone away by myself. I literally I was in bed on a Wednesday night. I text Gary going, What's the story for the week? Like with work, he was like, You're not needed till Monday. It was eleven fifty-five. I jumped up out of bed, hopped on a plane, uh, hopped on the air coach at one AM. On my way to Dublin Airport, just went into Sky Scanner, flying from Dublin to anywhere in the world. Go, <laughs> up popped Rome for sixty euro return. I was like, I'm doing it. I'm gonna prove to myself yeah. that I can be alone. Just, uh, and I went there and I spent four days there by myself, alone, without drink, without drugs, without fags, just fucking eating good food. you lucky Somalia nice come up instead of Rome. Well, <laughs> I'm lucky. I, I was like, I was really like, I'm going to go wherever it comes up here, but where is it going to be? Do you know, is it going to be somewhere that costs me a ton to go of money?
0: whatever comes up here will have to be affordable too. <laughs> yeah, that that was it. That was it. Lucky it a few uh, spins. Lucky
2: it turned out to be yeah. Rome, so it, it ended up being quite a, a nice trip. Oh Do you know that? God, incredible. The,
1: that, those compulsive thoughts just is
2: like That's, you, that's I what used,
1: I have. Yeah, I used to get them. You know, on drinking drugs, and mm. like, but you know to do it in your complete senses and to know what you're actually going. Yeah, to do like it was just you're going to enjoy. I was it was like I can't yeah. believe I'm going to do
2: this, but I was like, it was really kind of like it almost felt like I was ending a, a chapter. It was like it really, it felt like I was closing the book on the getting sober chapter. It was mm. kind of like the reason you drank so much because you're afraid of being alone, and now you don't drink. Be alone. Mm. Put, I wanted to put myself in a situation where I couldn't reach out to Gary and be like, Gary, I, I've nothing to do there, let's do something. It was kind of like, no, I'm in Rome for four days. No matter who I get on to, no one's around to yeah. hang out with me. It's kind of like, just, just go and be by yourself. And how are you over there? Oh, yeah. Unreal. Fantastic. Did
0: you do all the sightseeing?
2: Yeah, I did all the sightseeing. On the Saturday, I I went into Rome and I turned off my phone and I just started wandering around streets for like four hours. It's like, like walking through a,
0: a movie instead of a historical movie. There's such it's history crazy. everywhere.
2: It's, it's so rich in history. Isn't it's it? such a beautiful place. And like, I'm lucky I've been to quite a lot of places in Europe just due to back when I used to make videos and I used to travel. And like Rome and Malta, I would put them up there on the same level of just like... They're beautiful to me because they look like they're lost in time. Do you know? Mm -hmm. Like, Mm. I don't know if you've ever been to Malta, but it looks... I'm actually
1: going there for Christmas.
2: Have have you ever been there before? Um, Never. Oh my God.
1: It's it's incredible.
2: Yeah. Oh my God. It's incredible. And like, it literally just looks like it was lost in time. Mm. It's like the streets, some of the streets look so old. Mm. And like, that's what I liked about Rome as well. You know, Rome was, it was still a city getaway, but it wasn't like... I was in Paris like a month and a half ago and that was that was like a a city like yeah, yeah, you know but Rome well, it was a city it just felt different it was lovely can I ask you about
0: your ADHD mm-hmm Um I on medication for that? no I stopped I stopped taking it what's ADHD like? so maybe is it is it hard for you to explain because you've always had it yeah like like what is it? I don't know what it is but
2: I know that, like, I know that when it gets to seven or eight PM every night, even if I'm tired, I stop feeling tired. My body gets this like sense mm. of like just skin <laughs> like jitteriness. Mm. Like when it gets to evening times, I always want to find something to do. No matter if I've gone up at six AM and I've worked all the way through. To me, it's like ADHD is just like this massive amount of energy I have that. Yeah, up until maybe seven or eight months ago, I never knew how to control, mm-hmm. and so it would it would make me feel quite sad. Whereas now I kind of have a, a grip on it. I work quite a lot now. Um, I work in the cabin doing workshops. I I have tech space workshops. I teach kids three D printing. Uh, we did software development workshops for a little yeah. bit. I I shoot music videos around the place. So keep quite busy. Yeah. What I do is I keep myself quite busy. The problem is if I'm actually not busy. Like, like maybe a, m- a month ago, there was a, for like four days, I just, I laid in my bed. I wasn't eating, like it wasn't showering. Like I suffer from a uh, seasonal affective disorder. So when, no- when November hit, because there's less light mm-hmm. outside, you I was just getting a bit sadder. Mm-hmm. I spent like five days lying in bed, just like not doing anything, mm-hmm. like not moving, really just like getting up to go to the bathroom and that mm-hmm. was it. Mm, um
1: that's actually quite common I I spoke yeah, to you before about that I, and yeah. it's
2: it's hard like it really is because I really want to change it and like like now I'm lucky I've kind of gotten the grip on it again but like I remember when I was in the middle of it like a month ago like I, I wanted to get up and go shopping like I had this plan that if I bought like a notice board for my room and, and diaries that I'd be able to keep more of a schedule and I wanted to do that and it took me three days to do it like mm. Three days, no two. Like I think I had the tall on Saturday, didn't go Sunday, and I I went out Monday and literally all day on the Sunday was just me trying to convince myself to have a shower and I genuinely just couldn't is that, get the energy. Is yeah. that related to the ADHD? No, I think it's I think it's it it's a separate thing, but the ADHD is so contrastingly different that mm. when I feel that it's like yeah. it feels like like it feels like yeah. I feel like I'm on a come down you know, whenever I'm going through that. Like that's it just is
0: because it's, just, it's just so opposite to who you normally know it. Yeah, are. like it's, you know it's the, mad. The ADHD is the energy, the high energy. Is that the only kind of symptom of it?
2: Well, oh. my thoughts can be quite scattered. Um, like I find sometimes if I'm in a conversation with somebody, mm. and we're talking about something. I'll just say something completely unrelated, and they'll be like. How, right. What the like, exact what? Same. and they're always like, can you st- like can you slow down, please? Yeah. Yeah. So I suffer from that quite a lot now. Yeah. I've tried to get is control that the, the on attention it. deficit piece. Yeah, so it's attention deficit hyperactive disorder. I also have ADD, which is attention deficit disorder, and then I have ODD, which is oppositional defiance disorder.
0: Somebody that I know uh, that I know has has ADD or ADHD. Yeah, he was telling me like that. Um, one of the things. That he experiences. No, if I say it to if I said to him, Go over there, no, right? Pick the box up and put the box up there on top of that next to the box. He finds it hard to imagine doing that. Yeah. Is that something?
2: No, I'm not. I'm I don't have it like that. Like for me, the main thing is abstract just Abstract thought, maybe. It's you know. just it's the main thing for me is just like this like this like skittiness yeah. like it's, I'm always just like if you LW, watch back the video yeah. I've been rubbing this table yeah. the entire time fidgety. for me it's just that mm-hmm. like like uh, that's why I kind of cover my hands in rings just so that I have You're something to something. be playing yeah. with yeah, yeah. Do you know
1: I have a question for you for somebody that's into coding and sitting in front of a laptop and building websites yeah. and stuff with ADHD I've like uh, do you be impatient can you get it very because imp- I get very so, very impatient
2: What what I find is and coding I haven't really worked on any projects for myself in a while but I used to like I used to do like mad stuff like I really I genuinely used to create like like crazy stuff for like a 16 year old people like you didn't do that yourself and it's because I could just sit there for like 14 hours like I didn't have to get up go to the bathroom didn't eat the the, the mind is just occupied? yeah like that heating system that I created Mm -hmm. I I basically put that together like we're working on it for ages and it wasn't working. And we, I basically spent three nights and I put this whole thing together at one second place in in like the whole of Ireland, the competition. Like my, I could just, I can just switch my brain on and go, okay, we're going to spend 14 hours doing this. And I'm a perfectionist. so when I walk out at the end of the 14 hours, mm. like it's either going to be good, like perfect. Or I, one of my problems with college Um, back when I used to study multimedia, I now study community development in MTU, but back in St. John's, I used to do my assignments and delete them like i finish it and my teacher would be like yeah that's that's cool you should submit that and then I'd delete it so I'd be like that's no, not it's not ready like that's it's not it <laughs> uh, this one uh, project we had to do a lyric video in, in after effects uh so the lyrics had to come on time with the song and we were given three weeks to work on it and three hours before it was to be submitted I went in and my teacher was like you're not you're not starting it no like you can't did it and I got like 93% or something like that. So it's just like, that's my ADHD is, my ADHD is like an entire group project we had that was supposed to be done over three months. I once did it in 12 hours and walked out with like 83%.
0: Tell us a little bit about The Cabin Studio for the people that don't know what it is.
2: So The Cabin Studio is like, it's like my, really, it's like a, it's like the the best part of my life. Yeah, I think like it's, true. It, it, Gary McCarthy is how I got introduced to The Cabin Studio and without that I think I'd be in a very different place in my life I wouldn't mm. be here The Cabin Studio is a youth and community space for um, young people that's based on the north side of Knockinaheeny in Holly Hill on the campus of
0: Terence McSweeney on the campus of Terence so
2: just in front of Terence McSweeney School and The Cabin Studio is a, it's a multimedia hub it used to be a singing and songwriting um, space but over the last Couple, kind of two years really it's grown now there's acting workshops there's coding workshops there's playwriting workshops poetry workshops dance workshops filmmaking mm. workshops a bit of everything how i got introduced to the cabin was in in 2017 when i started my course uh, i did film and tv for a year before i did two years on multimedia i reached out to gary been like what's the story gary can i do work experience with you please but and he was like yeah savage come on and um I did it up in the cabin and I did it for like two weeks. And I guess I I made a good impression because Gary was like, you should start coming up here more often. Mm. So 2018, I was up there quite a bit uh, attending the workshops, but really I didn't like attending. I kind of liked more helping out. Mm. And then in 2018, I started, I, this ETB got me to help out at a summer camp up there. Uh, I got like maybe six hours or something working in the summer camp up there. And then I guess it made such a good impression that in 2019, I got more hours working with with kids up there. In 2019, I also started to then work in Mahin and Bishopstone and all these other youth projects um, as well, tutoring, teaching kids multimedia. But I really, my main focus was the cabin. And over like the last two years, the cabin has just Grown beyond mm. uh, like w- whatever it was four years ago, it's massively different now. There's so much happening on Friday. We went to the late toy show. Mm. Two of our two of the kids up there, Jeremy Ford and Coben Cullen. What's the story, lads? If show you're watching this, lad, show they um. They performed in a choir with Ed Sheeran and then afterwards they both played a game with Ed Sheeran and he asked them to rap for him, which was like quite right. savage. Another big thing in the cabin is we recently got a, a, grand, a grant from TikTok X St. Patrick's uh, Festival Foundation and that was um, a grant of 10 grand to work on a big project for St. Patrick's Day. We're going to do a female independence project.
0: I like that outfit. Are you gonna? That that was backstage in RT. (laughs) That That was Ryan Tubbardy's uh late late show outfit or the high show, the get up he has, and then uh, that was the other ones. But uh, is that (laughs) a lobster? (laughs) Yeah, it's a love like yeah. like okay. so yeah. 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 but uh, when we were backstage with yeah. we tried to try on uh, Ryan Tuberley's office for the oh, previous ones Clair, but they wouldn't Clair go Clair around that,
2: like. oh, no, Connor, Connor that you were on about earlier Harris, is, t- is yeah. talking to Clareburn tonight so shout out to Connor if you're well watching done, this yeah. um, he's talking to them tonight but yeah so the cabin just grew to this massive thing and I yeah. started doing, I guess last year as well, I started doing admin work for Gary uh, for his own company, GMC Beats. Through that, I started doing more admin work for the cabin. And then over the last year, I guess I've just been helping out a lot more there and and running the workshops and just making sure that the, the place is, is yeah. going like I I love that place. It's my yeah. entire life. That's what keeps me Drummond, going. we were
0: starting out on the podcast before we had a studio, I actually was on to Gary. Yeah. And he kindly offered that we could use the cabin to do the podcast. But we ended up going with Timmy's shed. Yeah. Just because sometimes we do late nights and weekends <laughs> yeah. and, you know, we needed control over the venue. So thanks to Gary for that. Thanks, Gary. And yeah. I'd love to do a podcast up there. You should. Do you know, We this. have a
2: group yeah. called The Happening Podcast who are um, a group of, 15 and 16 year olds they do their own podcast in the green room they've they've kind of learned how to edit it now and stuff like that yeah, as well which yeah. is mad they're doing uh, doing live podcasts sometimes what they if, they he, if again? he came up sometime and they couldn't they could interview you be great. that would be class That'd we be put, great. You put you on the other side it's and called the happening podcast the happening. Happening. h-a-p-n-i-n, happening. H-A-P-N-I-N. Happening. podcast happening yeah, yeah. yeah. and uh, if you wanted to come up and leave them interview you, that would be great That'd be great. we'd love to do that we'll, we'll sort that hey, out are you into the rapping? I already yeah, produced, so, so. I, I used to make tunes when I was younger. I um I I used to perform with Jedward. I opened for them at the Rose of Trilly on Denny oh, yeah. Street stage for like six thousand people. A couple of years. You're only fucking twenty two,
0: but you're after living something. I life did already. that.
2: I did that when I was like thirteen or fourteen. Wow. Um Yeah, that was mad. Like six thousand people at a twenty minute set. Performed with them on uh, on RT as well a couple of times. Um. Yeah, and then I just used to make my own little tunes and, and kind of send them out there. Um, but I don't really do that anymore. I'm still, I still have a bit of a mental block from when I was bullied about it. Like, mm-hmm. I, I, oh. I, I record a couple of tunes now, but I still don't have the confidence to post them yet. Can you sing? Can I sing? Uh, no, I think I can sing, but other people say, no, you can, you can sing a little yeah. bit, but I don't know. I What's don't know your passion?
0: I What's your passion of music? Is it creating the beats? I...
2: I, so I used to think my passion was in music, but I, I think my passion is, is just
0: helping people.
2: Mm. And it's like, it's it's anything really. Yeah. Like, yeah. you
0: know, it's it, when I'm doing videos
2: in it's the cabin m- or whether music, I'm doing... Music
0: might, might be the medium or... Yeah, like music, or music,
2: video. Like at the moment I'm teaching uh, a, a group of kids 3D printing and like we're creating models and they're printing it. You know, that, that might be the medium, but it's like really what I'm trying to do is I'm just there to help exactly, people. Yeah. I guess I've just... I've always been someone that tried to help people when I was younger, even if I wasn't doing it very right, I didn't know the right ways. Yeah. And sometimes it came across as annoying and people were probably kind of yeah. sick of me, but the, I, there was always good behind it, even if I couldn't show it. Mm. Now, I guess I've just learned how to show that. I study, I'm in my second year of community development. How's that CIT. Going,
0: yeah?
2: Good. Yeah. It's, it can be a bit of a struggle sometimes just because it's all online. I've never like, I've, do you know, even this I'm, I'm, show. Yeah, I think we had four days where we, and it, it wasn't even in campus. It was in um, the, do you know, Nexus Super Value in Holly Hill, Tony yeah. Fisher's spot there. We yeah. went in there. We had four classes or five classes in there, but it's quite it's hard. My brain is struggling to really see it as real because mm. it's just all online. Mm. I'm getting it done, but it's just, yeah, it's definitely a mental struggle. That's one of yeah. the things I struggle with the most is just like, okay, so you need to do college stuff. Mm. Um
0: just grind it out. You yeah. have your qualification. And yeah, the, the, the that's the, like, it.
2: Like I just, you know, once it's done, it's done. And like I'm, I'm lucky. I'm supported by aftercare because going up in foster care. So as
0: long as I'm still in college, um, they did, they, they're there to support me up until the, I'm twenty three. Uh, what does life look for Sean Downey in five, six years time? So
2: I want to create. I want to continue working in the cabin because it's my, it's, it's my favorite place in mm. the entire world. But I also. I guess I want to kind of create a bit of a media network inside of Cork City. Uh, I'm currently looking at connecting with other video makers and music producers and animators and stuff in the city. There'll be a spot for you, but uh, I guess, uh, so the cabin is is working with young people and I want to try and replicate what happens in the cabin, but I guess for older people, so that would be more like commercial stuff. The cabin isn't commercial. The cabin Mm. is just like we're facilitating workshops and we're giving opportunities to these kids, Mm. but I would like to start maybe working on something commercial and and just kind of creating a bit of a network. Just, I guess I'm quite lucky when I, when I talk to people uh, and I, I'm quite lucky that I, I'm able to create opportunities. That's one thing I found about myself. I'm always creating good opportunities. Mm. So I wonder, can I connect with other creatives inside of Cork that are around my age that c- haven't been able to create those opportunities? And mm. can I just start piecing people together? Can I go, you make videos? here's a sound producer, here's an artist, now make a project together and we'll put it under this name, this <laughs> collective name. That's a plan I have, but uh, that's, that's a long f- way. If from. you're
0: doing a U club for adults, I'd be all over that. Will, you be,
2: will you be into <laughs> it? There's, um, like, yeah, I have that plan and I guess as well, like, I'm doing, studying community development, so I, it would just be to to really kind of, right, I think I'd do a postgrad in youth work, mm. not at the moment, like, when I'm done, this next year of college, I'll be in college six years. So like I need a bit of a break. And you're only 22. I'm only 22. Yeah, yeah I don't stop. Like I'm yeah. just keep going. You
0: have going. to live in the life of a year Could so- I
1: give you a small bit of advice as well about your story from just listening to you? Go ahead. I think your story is phenomenal in terms of inspire it. it like you inspire a lot of people in Thank residential you. care. I think you should be going into them into residential care places. That
2: is, that is. Maybe, part you're, of maybe the,
0: you're not Tooster's favourite person. That.
2: That's part of the plan, but I, I need to yeah. get, I like, I, that's why I just want to get this community development course done. Yeah. I feel like at the moment I'm just a kid with a story. Mm. But if I'm a kid with a story with a degree, it legitimizes it. And then because a lot of residentials, it's very sensitive information. So it's hard to just you can't just walk up to a residential and be like, let me come in there and tell you my story, Yeah, yeah you, have you to know? Have the credentials. so to it, it's true. Things like Davey's stuff was seen. That's really why I went down mm. it as well. was just like I spoke a lot about foster care and they cut all that out. You actually I, from watching it, it, it can be hard to tell them yeah. in foster care, yeah. but that was that's what I talked about I just I just want to show other kids in care that were in my situation at the age of 11 that were talking about getting sent to secure lock up with bars on the window and had to go to like a justice project and we're terrified that like you know things can work out and I guess I want to through the cabin I'm already doing it but I want to kind of spread out the reach of the cabin and start providing creative opportunities to tons of different young people. I feel like a lot of people in residential just don't know how to express themselves. And yeah. if they did, their stories would be a lot different. So it's just
0: how do we how do we teach those people to yeah. express themselves?
2: Yeah. You know, Do you
0: have a relationship today with your biological parents and your foster parents?
2: Yeah. So I just was at my foster parents house two weeks ago and I talked to my regular parents all the time. Shout out to my mom, Julianne, my dad, Shawnee, my foster parents. Bill and Ursula, that's the story. Um, but I have great relationships with all of them. That's good good. Um, it was just important for me, I guess, to keep that. You know, I don't blame anyone in my life yeah. for anything that happened. If I could go back, I wouldn't change anything. I, I Things worked out well. Things worked out. Like, if I had continued We to always say grow, the same, don't we? Yeah. If I had continued to grow in the environment I was in, my life would be very different. I would i'd probably be on the streets i don't know but my, my parents wouldn't have had the means to look after me at this age you know i would have ended up in the streets so it was all it was all for good the things went the way yeah, they
0: did that's good um do you know the young people that you wouldn't care with yeah have you ever met them or do you know what their outcomes were like
2: no i i a couple of people i know that they they're doing good they're doing good. One uh, one person I lived with sadly passed away a couple of months ago. So that was um, just through the health complications. But that that was a bit tough. Mm. And all my other foster brothers, I had foster sisters in residential, but I'm too young to really kinda of remember those. Mm. All my other foster brothers, they seem to be doing quite well. Good. Um yeah, I guess it's just like it's mad because I always forget how many People I really lived with, you know, like I lived mm-hmm. with, especially in the residential. I lived with quite a lot of people, and it's like sometimes I forget mm. how many. I'm actually going to be having a phone call with my first ever social worker uh, at the end of this week, which is going to be mad. She was my social worker for maybe like three to like the age of like nine or ten or something like that. She was my social worker for seven years. How are you feeling about it? Oh, like she, uh, like she has no idea what I'm like now. I remember. She once had to like try bribe me to get me into school, so she has no idea what I'm like. So it's just I want to be like, thank you a lot because she's, she's my memory of social workers that were nice to me. And whenever growing up, I was dealing with like a bad social worker, I'd keep the memory of her. Yeah. Mm. And she moved away for a while; and she moved out of the country, so that's why she stopped being my social worker. I heard recently she was back, so I just want to be like, thank you. Like you don't know, mm. Do you know. Gary's yeah. one massive part of my life that made it go right but there was all these other people yeah. like my foster parents yeah. and stuff like that along the way and I just want to start thanking those people and being like y- you mightn't have seen what's been happening the last couple of years but th- this is where I'm at and like yeah. you
0: know thank you and I'd say everybody be very proud of you I'm very proud of you yeah.
1: thank you're you very, very much thanks for you're an lad.
0: inspirational young man thank you and you're going to do great things with your life you already are you've done so much already and you know you don't you waste noticed, the day the
1: way you articulated your story I know is, is, Br- brilliant and everybody will understand this. Thank and you re- very and much. A lot it's not a surprise
0: why it. he gets called back for conferences because no. like, you're a great communicator. <sighs> I
2: just, I guess, you know, growing up for me, I just really realised in the setting I was in that like, I really wanted to do something more than, than where I was, mm. and I think that's why I got very angry as a kid. I wanted to start expressing myself. I just didn't know how. So then, once I yeah. finally learned how to, I just worked on mastering it like a craft. Yeah. I would like, I would w- w- watch videos of people delivering speeches, and I would just copy. I would just try s- deliver a speech along with them. Watch yeah. videos, and this is how you say these words, and just mm. try and like really just like you know yeah. just, just be able to present myself because I I wanted to try and. After that, that video happened and that whole conference thing, I wanted to try and be a voice for people in, in foster care that don't have a voice. Like <laughs> a lot of other young people in my situation when brought to court would have just backed down. Mm. They would have been like, oh, I'm not allowed to leave up that video. Okay. But li- having that video is is kind of what changed my life. You know, my social workers argued that I should stop being in my room. And I should go out and make friends. And this is part of the reason they tried to stop me making the videos. When I did stop in in my room and go out and make friends at 18, I got a drinking problem. Do you know what I mean? So like I want to be there for kids that social workers are maybe Mm -hmm. saying things that might not really be what's best for them. Yeah, Yeah.
0: And it just goes to show as well, like if um, you're working in a school or something and the child is misbehaving and stuff like that, do you know Maybe there's stuff going on and the child hasn't got the vocabulary to articulate it. Yeah. So they get frustrated and the only way yeah. they can express it is through that. actions. Uh, so yeah. if we take that and from the yeah. podcast, we'll take that. Yeah. it have been a great question. Thank Something you very much.
2: Just, just a message to anyone watching. If there's any young people watching or if there is parents, foster parents that have kids that are maybe in a situation to what I described look up the Cabin Studio on Instagram T-H-E-K-A-B-I-N Studio Cabin with a K we have um, creative workshops that happen quite regularly and maybe there's a space there for you maybe we'll mm-hmm. be able to facilitate something you want to
0: do and the famous MC
2: Tiny MC yeah. Tiny it's MC Tiny and all the lads there all of you out there the lads are just
0: incredible you know and we look forward to our invite and we see you all up there
1: perfect thank you, Slan. Perfect. Thank you.